Hi, welcome back to Hope Wednesday. We did have a interruption. We had technical difficulty. And that just means that this is a very important topic. And we are committed to giving you the best quality. And uh, so those of you who can pray, pray with us that we can get this message out because it is a very important message. Remember, we're still talking about temple care. And this week we're tackling eating disorders and understanding the role of food for temple care. And I know that this is going to be a very sensitive topic. So I'm entering into it with the most caution and with the most um, consideration because I feel like um, it is a very shaming topic and it can be a shaming topic that people deal with weight issues or deal with eating disorders, even in the church, out of the church. This is a topic that I have not heard thoroughly examined in the church, but my husband and I, Pastor Shannon Flakes, we have dedicated ourselves to talking about the hard things and bringing awareness to areas of our life that sabotage eternal goodness in life and the abundant life that God died for us to have. We are endeavoring to live the life that God died for us to have. And it's impossible to skip over this very critical issue of eating disorders and weight management. So we're coming today to begin the discussion. Remember, we begin this discussion. We may not be able to finish it, but hopefully uh, we'll give you enough so that you're able to continue the conversation with some sustainable information. Uh, We have probably two more weeks of this. I thought that I could give you all, all of it, but it's impossible. There's just so many different nuances to this topic, and I want to be able that be able to give you enough information that you can begin to really dissect your eating patterns and really begin to research uh, what God designed for us to eat and the role of food in our life and relationships. So again, I started out a few minutes ago, but we got cut off and I had a big old dialogue. I had a little commercial for you all. But in essence, to sum it up, this is a very uh, critical conversation. You may be triggered. We may have to stop and breathe. I may have to stop and breathe because like I said, we're from the Western world where there's a lot of emphasis on body image and there's a lot of emphasis on looking good. And I have been literally watching my weight since age 15. No, I have not been you know, severely obese, but in my mind and managing the body that I wanted to have, I have literally been dieting literally throughout the last, I want to say, uh, 35 years. That's a long time to be dieting and to be watching your weight and to not even have the tools, but I was out there. You all, I was, I was giving it a college try, not understanding what the elements were, what was the psychological factors, what were the spiritual factors, but we grow in grace and we get better. And I hope that I'm able to share some tips and some revelation here at Hope Wednesday today. Remember, we integrate psychology and we integrate spirituality. And with those two, especially spirituality and God's word, when we find the scriptures that bless our mental health, then we can be whole. So wholeness is our objective today. Please take this time. If you know someone that can benefit from this, we all can because we're living, like I said, we're next to Sintown, Vegas, where it's a uh, eat whatever, do whatever. We're always exposed to 
uh, the Western diet. So we're all in danger and we all get to gird up our, our loins and our mind with truth so that we can combat obesity and illness. All right. So let's go before the Lord with in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for another Hope Wednesday. I thank you for the audience. I thank you for those who will tune in. I pray that you would just send your glory here today, that we would see the glory of your plan for our lives, that we would see the glory of how you made our bodies and that we would get the mind that you had, oh God, when you fashioned us and when you breathe on us and when you made us in your image, oh God, help us to get that imagery, oh God. And we ask that you would cast down every other imagination that would distort our view of who you made us to be, oh God. You have a plan for our lives, for our eating, for our health, for our our emotions, oh God, for our spiritual life. And Lord, we're joining you this morning. We want the life that you died for us to have. Now we ask that you would comfort us, remove toxic shame that would cause us to feel, Lord, that we're trapped in shame and that we can't change. Lord God, forgive us, oh God, for our ignorance and even the things that we may have done knowingly against your will. And we just line ourselves up as your dear children, asking for your support, asking for the power of your spirit, asking that you would help me to have clarity and share this information because we know that we're destroyed for lack of knowledge. We need your wisdom and your knowledge. We desire it. It is our necessary food. It is our bread this morning. We ask that we be sustained by the love and the power of your word and the truth this morning. Bless the hearers, O God, of your word. And let us hide this word in our heart. Help us, O God, to begin to, Lord God, let it destroy, destroy, distortions of body image, destroy, oh God, insatiable hungers and destroy, oh God, patterns of sinful patterns that we've erected generationally and that we've just accumulated on the, on down through the years, oh God, please make us whole. You're the only one that can make us whole, oh God. And we come to you. We submit all things into your hands in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Again, you all, I'm asking that you please be engaging in this. And it's not for me. It's not so that I can, you know, uh, be esteemed, but it's so that we can help. I hope you have a heart to help. This information can help someone. This can be the information that is the difference between premature death, um, between life, between generational changes. We have the power. We just need the information. Information is power. And then after information is the willingness to move in it. So for, we're sitting back and many people want to be rich, but rich is health. Having health is wealth. Your wealth is your health. I'll say it again. Your wealth and well-being is your health. Investing in your temple is the greatest investment you can make. And there's a balance to it. We get to invest in our mental health. We get to invest in our spiritual health and we get to invest in our emotional and our, our mental health. We get to invest in it all because remember our bodies are a gift from God and we want to be able to enjoy it. We don't want to look at it as a curse. Remember the enemy comes to distort the image, image of God and the plan of God and to make us think things that are not real and true. He makes us feel like our bodies are a curse. 
He makes us feel like we are no good and, and that in this flesh is just a horrible. We know that we do have an Adamic nature, but thanks be to God, we also have a spiritual nature now. And we also have the privilege of life in this body. If, and if we don't change that perception of temple care, then we won't value the um, time that we need to. If we don't value the temple, then we won't put the time. We won't invest. We only put time into things that are important. The Bible says where your treasures are, that's where your heart is. So the things you value is, are the things that you protect, are the things that you uh, tend to, that the things that have your attention out of everything. We don't want adultery because we know that uh, in this country, diets, like there's back in 2013, they did a survey, $65 billion was spent towards dieting. And I know it's more now because there's also people are wanting to get surge cosmetic surgeries to look good. So we throw a lot of money at physical appearance, but the objective is that we want to take care of the temple that God gave us. Again, Dr. Miles Monroe says that when purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. So we abuse our temples and we don't take care of our temples. And then we complain about our temples and we feel powerless. We feel victim to our own behavior. But thanks be to God who causes us to triumph. And we have power choices that we get to aspire and to thrive, to take care of our bodies and our minds and our spirits so that we can live a fulfilled field life. Life is just not happening to us, but we get to get in the game, you all. Even if we crawl into the game, even if we inch our way into the game, here at Hope Wednesday, we're, we're getting in the game and we are giving hope. We are turning the light of knowledge on so that we can see that there is another way. We don't have to stay in the state that we're in, but we get to change. And this day we're talking about eating disorders, managing our diets, and that part of temple care. Now, the challenge is this. This is a big topic, like I said. And again, hunt your neighbor and say, we are not blaming and we are not shaming. We are healing and we are helping. We're bringing awareness so that we can we can bring awareness and healing to the matter. So we're going to, we're going to support each other. If you are going to be a part of the support, just give me some thumbs up and, and help us to know because we need each other. Y'all we need each other. We need each other's support because of the way society we're communal. And when there's a community of people who are um, doing negative things, or when there's a community of people doing things that are against God, it influences us and it impacts us as evidenced by all of the fast food restaurants that are in our community. That is the community coming together against the will of God. So we want to be able to create a community to encourage each other. We want to start with families. We want to start building a legacy of health, not punishment, eating what eating right and taking care of your bodies. It cannot be seen as punishment. It needs to be seen as privilege. And it's going to take courageous individuals to step forward in their families and in their communities and to venture out into the life that God designed for us to have. All right, so let's get some statistics. I know that was a big commercial because I had to sell you all. I feel like I have to explain our so what, what we're doing and why it's so important. And I'll be doing that for a couple of weeks because again, this is a very sensitive and important topic. So it says in 42.4% um, of our population uh, in 2017 to two. 2018 dealt with obesity 
and almost 20% of children deal with obesity. And so it is a big issue. And with our society changing, last year the lockdown, being kept in the house, we became more sedentary and we began to just sit and not be as active and we begin to comfort eat. So we are in a crisis. We are in a crisis. We are in a crisis. There's more information about food. There's more information about health. You have doctors who are nutritionists who are coming out and they're giving information on how there are certain foods that cure disease and cancers and, and reversing sugar diabetes and uh, changing you know, heart disease and even hormonal issues of infertility. We have information that shows us that food can literally change our health. But yet, even with all that information, it's not making a big enough impact. And part of that is, I think, because we don't understand that it has to be attacked from a spiritual level, from a psychological level, and an emotional level. So those are the components. It's just not, I want to be healthy or, you know, I get this information and this information changes me. No, but this information has to be processed through our psychology, processed through our trauma so that we can reshape and relearn and renew our mind. This is part of the scripture that says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Who knew that we would have to renew our mind about food? Who knew that we would have to renew our mind about nutrition. Well, God knew. And that's why he said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, your thoughts, because there is an Adamic way to see food. There's an Adamic way to approach nutrition, but then there is a spiritual way. So we're in collaboration this morning. We want to be doers of the word. And that's so it is just like in the world. Like I said, there's $65 billion on so many Atkins diets, all these different diets and all these different weight loss plans, but people are not losing weight, y'all. So it takes more than just information. It takes um, uh, the spiritual awareness that we are fighting a spiritual warfare because the enemy knows at the root of this, yes, there's psychology behind this. He uses psychology, but at the root of this, if he can cause you to not be concerned about your nutrition and your health, then he can cause you to die prematurely. He can cause you to walk in illness. He can cause you to be stagnant and limited in the work that God has for you to do. He can cause you to be so preoccupied with eating and so preoccupied with the natural things that you forfeit you know, having vitality, having energy, having uh, positivity and being a, a, an image of his glory, which is someone who is temperate, somebody who is balancing their intake and outtake. So we, we have to know that we are an, an image. We are the representatives of Christ. So we get to reflect his glory. Not to shame, but we have to get back in line. If we're out of alignment, today's the day to course correct. I'm course correcting you all. During this pandemic, I have put on weight, like most of you, being home and not being able to, ex not choosing to exercise, not prioritizing exercising, and kind of looking for comfort food and giving myself permission to eat whatever because I'm under distress. That has put weight on me. And so now I'm bordering the obesity line. And so I've taken uh, like aggressive steps to reduce my 
um, my BMI. And it, and it's not just for physical appearance because I'm older, you all. I've had a couple birthdays. And when you have a couple birthdays, now you're looking at heart issues. You're looking at circulation issues. You're looking at hormonal issues. So it behooves us to take care of our health. And God gives a template. There is a template. He just doesn't say, go and eat whatever, do whatever. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. You know, that's not the message, but God is so methodical. He made this body, you know, he made this beautiful body for us and he would be derelict not to give instructions on how to care for the body. I know we buy VCRs. I know we buy TVs. I'm the one because I have a hard time reading directions because I'm always on speed dial, like go, 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 go. And I, I need to slow down and read the directions, but our bodies came with directions. Life came with directions and it came in the form of the word of God. Like I said, a good manufacturer always gives instructions and it even has a number naturally to call if you're having complications. If something's wrong with the material or something's not running right, you get to take it back to the manufacturer. So with us, all of our information begins in Genesis how to care for our bodies. Yes, we have caretakers. We have our mothers. We have our fathers. We have the people who raised us and they gave us an image of how to take care of our bodies. But ultimately, we get to check how our family uh, taught us about eating and nutrition. We get to line that up with the word of God because the word of God is the authority. Why would we trust man when man didn't make us they study the body but they didn't make us so they don't have the blue the original blueprint and the idea god made everything we needed for this body but sometimes uh, many times we don't turn to him we turn to science we turn to um, one another and we just ignore the instructions that he has given us and it's almost like a road map you know some people are just traveling in the direction of whatever they're using a cognitive map and you're wondering why you're not where you want to be you're wondering why you're not as happy as you want to be you're wondering why you have health conditions you're wondering why things are not you don't feel as good in your body and your mind and spirit as you should. And it's an opportunity for us to go back to the manufacturer's manual and look at where did I go wrong? What do I need to do? Now, the principles of eating and nutrition, it may sound boring, boring. It's not punitive. The only person in the, the only person that objects to this information is the enemy and our Adamic nature. It's going to be like, ah, turn on another channel. Uh, you know, do this. Don't listen to Hope Wednesday today. Oh, that's their opinion. Oh, I don't like her. I don't like that church. Or I don't, you're going to, he's going to find any reason to make you feel like you can't listen to truth. And gone are the days where we don't receive truth because we don't like the person or we heard something about the person. It's time to seek the Lord and his wisdom at all costs. It's time to give ear to things that are truthful. And it's time to give eyes to the word of God. So when people are speaking truth, your spirit can bear witness with that truth. So let's go into Genesis, the principles of food and nutrition. Again, I want to make this exciting. You know, if I have some dancing music, dun, 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 good music, not, 
oh, let's go into Genesis. Oh, or um, you deserve it. You deserve my diet. You deserve my body. No, we're not singing that sad song. We're singing a song of praise, like, yes, like we get to celebrate the gift of our body and we get to find out the nutritional and eating plan that God has for us. I mean, come on. Most of us have spent hundreds of dollars, like I said, $65 billion on trying to take care of ourselves. Let's go to the word for free. Only all it costs is our attention, our time and the crucifying of our will. All right. So Genesis one twenty nine, you all, it says, and God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon all the face of the earth and every tree in which it is the fruit of a tree yielding sealed seed to you. It shall be for food. This familiar verse of scripture is the foundation of Genesis one twenty nine. It's the Genesis one twenty nine eating instruction. It's the principle of nutrition and eating. God is saying in this, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon all the face of the earth and every tree. So he's letting us know that his desire was for us to take part in herbs and the fruit and everything that has a seed. He gave that to us. He gave that to us. It is our gift and it is our privilege. It blows my mind how now how people are moving back towards nutrition and they get excited and they say oh these berries have antioxidants or oh these strawberries have this vitamin c or whatever yes all the food that god made it has vitamins and it has resources for us and it has it is compatible with our body it is the western diet which is the the chemically produced foods and the laboratory foods that we have to to look out for. God gave us natural foods. And then for those of you, because some people are going to take this and say, yeah, that's why I'm a vegan. That's why I'm a vegan. Now, I am something like a vegan, but I do like chicken, y'all. I do like chicken. And I do, uh, you know, sometimes I, I just, you know, I, I like stuff like that. But for the most part, I try to balance it. But this is for those who just want to stick to strictly vegan. It says Genesis 9:24, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything, but ye shall not eat flesh with its life. That is its blood. So that's more or less talking about like the rawness of it and the, the blood and, you know, the close to the cannibalism part aspect of it. And the like, maybe like the raw meat. And I know people do that, but it's my understanding that it's just saying, but you shall not eat flesh with its life. Like, you know, but it's telling us that he has given us every moving thing. So it's rightly dividing that. And I think for our nutrition, what the challenge is, is that um, people have given animals hormones and they're they're dying and they're killing them under stress and so they produce cortisol and that is making us sick but in its natural state there are things that we're supposed to eat and you again I'm not a doctor and I'm learning nutrition but I'm not a nutritionist this is just edu- psychoeducation so you can continue the conversation with that but that's just a scripture to think about and so um, it lets us know that God had a plan for us and food is very paramount. It's the very thing that got our, our 
four parents in trouble, Adam and Eve. They saw the tree that it was good for food and they wanted it. They had everything else. He made everything else, but something in them wanted what they couldn't have. And so we have to know that we can't minimize that there is not a temptation. There is not life is in the food like that we eat. So the enemy is always going to want to manipulate our life through food. And like I said, people are uh, dying prematurely. A lot of what's gone on in 2021, um, the fatalities had a lot to do with uh, pre-existing conditions. It had a lot to do with obesity, but we don't really want to talk about that. We want to talk about just what, you know, came to the earth and, and the illness that came and, and the disease that came, but there was a pre-existing disease. And so we want to be able to know that even now that the best defense against disease is our diets. It is our diets. And we have to understand food's purpose. Generationally, um, we get an impression, like I said, we first learn from our mothers the importance of it, what they feed you, uh, how they set up the structure. And unfortunately, for many African Americans, we lead obesity, we lead um, preventable diseases because of poverty and because of ignorance, because we are so psychologically connected to our diet. You heard me right. We are psychologically connected to our diet, meaning that Food for us has meaning. It reminds us of times of togetherness. It reminds us of time of family and and comfort and safety. Because when we didn't have freedom as slaves in this country, we um, we had unity, we had food. And the dangerous part about food is that when you combine food with fellowship, it can equal to a bonding, uh, oxytocin and bonding and attachment. So those, th- those things wire together. So when you think about communal, when you think about togetherness in some families, and when you think about love and when you think about enjoyment, food plays a cent- central role. And it's nothing wrong because the Bible does talk about, you know, having a feast and eating. It's just intent It's putting everything in its proper perspective. When Jesus is supposed to be the center, when God is supposed to be the center, when our, our love for each other is supposed to be the center, sometimes we replace that center with food. It becomes the main attraction. And, and so it is in the whole earth. It becomes the main attraction. And the reason why I think it's like that in the whole earth is because um, it's a control factor. It can call, it can uh, lead to you purchasing more food, supersize me, uh, you purchasing more fast food. Also, then it causes you to be sick, which puts it puts money into the pharmaceutical company's hand. And so it's like a vicious cycle. So the motivation is to guard food in a way it is to bring it back because perversion is using something, anything, sex, anything manipulating something and using it in a way that God did not intend. So throughout these next weeks, we're going to week weeks. We're going to talk about what God intended for nutrition, what God intended for food and how we have perverted it. And again, we get to repent and we get to course correct. We get to become aware and conscious that am I using food? Has my family been using food in the way that God designed or do we comfort eat or do we you know, do we make everything about eating and, and what, what, what is our understanding of food and what is our understanding of health and nutrition? Do we badger one another because someone's trying to eat, uh, in a way that is helpful to their body? 
do we put pressure on them to, oh, you can have a little bit of this or you're just acting, you know, funny. You're acting like the, the, the other color folks. We, we eat chitlins over here. We eat hog mog and, and, and fried this and fried that. So sometimes it can even feel like betrayal to your, um, to your community if you decide to eat a certain way because food is very much a part of culture. And so you feel like there's cultural um, treason or that you have, you know, disconnected yourself and you're not being loyal to the foods of your ethnicity. And so that is the psychology of it. Sometimes we're connected to the culture. Sometimes we're connected to our family. Sometimes we're connected to big mama's recipe. And y'all remember that, um, soul food. Yeah, they got together and you know, they were eating and I'm not going to lie. It looked good. And I know it tastes good, but I think we missed the moral of the story is that big mama you know, she made all that food, but she had diabetes and she eventually died, you know, and yes, it brought the family together, but there's other things that can bring the family together and eating healthy and longevity can bring the family together and prayer can bring the family together. So we want to keep that in mind, like how we're connected. And then of course, because we need food, that's the danger of it. Like we just can't cut it off, but we, we need it. So we have to learn how to use it because it's easy to misuse because we need it. Right. And then that's where it becomes when we misuse it, the enemy can use it as gluttony and he can use it as, um, poison. So food could either be our medicine or it can be our poison. And we're choosing each time we eat something, is it this going to be nutrition and, you know, health, or is it going to be poison? And it it is an effort because like I said, we live in a society that is full of poison. So it's going to be intentional. It's going to take support. It's going to take community. The house of God should stand up and really at least be striving towards choosing health over poison. And sometimes we don't, and it's about changing you know, renewing the mind and changing the trajectory of the direction we're going. If we're choosing life eternal, that's just not in heaven. That means on earth, we get to choose life in the the foods we eat and the way we manage our bodies. And of course, yes, there are times or season where you do have, you know, desserts or you do have a celebration with food, but we've turned a celebration into a daily event. We eat when we're set, we eat comfort food when we're sad. We eat comfort food when we're happy. We eat comfort food when we're bored. Those are all the misuse of food because our body is not getting its needs met. And we just continue to give us our bodies what we want and what we need. So it's insatiable. We'll, we'll never stop because it will never be satisfied. It'll get sick first. The body will put a boundary on you. It'll be like, hold up. I can't digest this sugar. So now we have an insulin issue. So now we have diabetes. You gave me too much or hold up. Now we have a cancer. I can't take no more. Hold up. Now we have congestive heart failure. But as far as our mind and our spirit, we will continue to put fork to mouth. So, and again, it's generational and it's spiritual. So we want to look at the purpose of food. And I think that we have designed it and God has designed it. And he, and he, he says it in first Corinthians 10 and 31, he says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now this messed me up. 
this messed me up. Yes, we're going to get to the psychology of the eating disorders, but our foundation is understanding what God meant with food. And then we're going to talk about how we derailed. And now there's psychological issues. There's anorexia, there's bulimia, there's gluttony, there's obesity. But first we're laying the foundation. So he says in first Corinthians 10 and 31, this messed me up you all. Cause I thought I had, I got to decide what I ate and what I drink. Like I thought that was off the table. I didn't know that that had something to do with my relationship with God. I didn't know that God was that concerned, but it says whatever, it says whatever. So there's an awareness. The scripture has to sit on our shoulders and in our heart and, re- and, and prompt us. Again, we are moving towards perfection. You know, we're moving towards making better choices. But this scripture is speaking to all of us this morning and has been speaking and will speak. It's not going to change because we live um, in California. It's not going to change because we're at the smorgasbord in Las Vegas. It's not going to change because it's Thanksgiving. It's not going to change because it's our birthday. It's not going to change because we're depressed. It's not situational. We don't get to ease away the scripture because of an emotional or a situational circumstance. The word is what it is. And the word of Nene Leakes, it says what it says. It's not changing. It is what it is. He said what he said. So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, meaning that you're doing it as unto the Lord to make God look good, to show forth the praises of the beautiful body that he made, the beautiful life that you gave so that men and women on the earth can see it and say, God had a good plan. It's difficult to execute God's plan and the world's plan. Impossible, actually, um, because when we are endeavoring to glorify God, meaning to, you know, you know, like those diamonds ladies that we like in the showcase, they have special lighting and it hits it and it's so beautiful. That's how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be able to have the light shined on us and that men can see God's plan for nutrition is beautiful. God's plan for nutrition is the best. God's and, and it's proven. Doctors are proven that they're turning around cancer cases through natural herbs, through uh, monitoring the type of meats that they eat or even going vegan. And so God, God's word and God's instructions are the best. Everyone else is experimenting. So we have to continue to renew our mind and remind us that we are bringing forth the glory of God's plan. We are not experimenting, right? And so um, another scripture in 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, we're talking about understanding the purpose of food and joining God's purpose for food. Do you not know, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, do you not know that your bodies are the are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your body. You mean I have to honor God with my body, with what I put in it? How can that honor God? I thought my relationship was food. Me and food had our own private thing because when we eat at night, nobody's up. Yes, people see your weight and sometimes you're skinny and you're not honoring God in your body. So the goal is, and even in intimacy, even if no one knows it, the integrity of it is to honor God with our bodies. Our bodies are, have been purchased and they belong, they're on loan to us. And so we get to give it back to God and to honor God. 
And there are some warnings, and I'm going to get to some other things, but uh, Proverbs 28 and 7 says about gluttony and how um, we have to be discerning. It says, a discerning son heeds instructions, like the instructions were given in the Word and the instructions I'm sharing this morning, but a companion of gluttons disgraces his father. So when we are not in balance, when we're gluttonous, then it's a disgrace to the father. And gluttony is just basically a habitual greed and an inordinate desire to take in more than that, than that is required. And that's the problem with it. It is to take in more than you require. And it is that you're trying to um, satisfy an insatiable need to be full that God did not design to be filled in that way. So gluttony is that it is the habitual greed. And, you know, we're supposed to be temperate because greed spills over first it's food. Then it's another addiction. Then it's, you want more than you should have. It's not temperate. So that is actually, uh, the, the spiritual aspect aspect of it. And because of it, there's a lot of shame associated with it. There's a lot because there is, when we do wrong, the shame, like we said in our shame and our guilt uh, sessions that we talked about, it is an indicator to remind us that we get to course correct. All right. So we talked about understanding food and its purpose, and now we get to understand hunger. Sometimes uh, we think that... um, our relationship with hunger, we think sometimes it's just food that we're hungry for. And yes, there is. When our body indicates that there is a need for food, uh, a physical need for food, it is telling us that it needs fuel. It needs nutrition. It needs uh, glucose. It needs things to help it to have energy in because food turns into energy and health and it feeds our cells. So we're, we're literally feeding ourselves when we, when we eat nutritious food. So we're either damaging ourselves with poison or we're feeding ourselves and we're igniting ourselves and we're giving energy. The challenge is we have to be able to discern what type of hunger is this. And for some of us, we don't sit and we're not mindful enough to sit in ourselves to check in. Temple care requires for us to sit in and say, okay, what's going, what's up? I get to know me, not my husband, not my children, because women, we're so intuitive. We know, oh, she had an attitude or, oh, my husband, he wants this or, oh, you know, we can, we can kind of fly over everyone and kind of discern what everyone needs. But in temple care and discerning hunger, that requires us to hover over ourselves and to sit with ourselves and become very investigative for the nutrition and the self-care of our body. It's our responsibility. So we sit over ourselves and we get to say, okay, where's this hunger coming from? Because there's more than one hunger because we are body, we are spirit, we are mind and emotion, well, soul, which is emotions and our mental health, our thoughts. So we have to think, okay, is this an emotional hunger? Is this a spiritual hunger or is this a physical hunger? What's up? What's up here? And sometimes because we're just, we, our sensories are just so off, we don't recognize which hunger it is. They're dulled. And, and with some eating disorders like anorexia, the part of the brain that even indicates on hunger is cut off. And I believe that happens when you're reprobate, uh, when, meaning that when you no longer can hear the word of God, 
you don't even hunger after it because a healthy person has an appetite. The Bible says that he that hungered and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. So we're hungering and thirsting after things. And so if you are sick, when you're sick, you don't hunger. When you're, when you have like the flu or when you have the stomach flu, or when you are really sick or even really sick, depressed, your appetite goes, it changes the way your brain is responding and sending messages of hunger. So hunger is health. Whenever there's health, the the signal that you're even able to, you know, send a message of hunger. But then the next step is, so praise God for hunger. All right. Told you I'm going to be animated. So hunger, because some people don't even feel hunger. Some people don't feel hunger. They're so sick that appetite is gone. The receptors in their brain are not even saying feed me because it's just preparing to not be on earth anymore. And it is the process of dying. If you're not hunger, hungry, you're in the process of death and dying. So hunger is good, but it's understanding the cue. Like what is this hunger saying? Is there a natural? Do I need physical food? And if I am hungry, what am I hungry for? Now our mind will tell us, and even psychology, because we'll crave sugar. Sugar is as addicting as hair as heroin and crack cocaine. They've done studies with mice where they would put sugar droplets in and crack or I mean cocaine and they would go to the sugar as well because sugar is as addicting. And we we have so much sugar that we consume. Sugar is in everything, French fries, ketchup, meats, you name it. They put sugar in everything because it keeps us addicted and it keeps us wanting more. It is the thing that changes the way our, our brain works, our chemical levels, our reward system. So a lot of people are hungry and it could be that their, their hunger for that, that fix or the wheat. There's um, wheat changed, I think they said in the 70s, and so the the wheat that is produced now, it creates hunger. It sits on the receptors of opiates. It's not an opiate, but it, it sits on that receptor, so when you eat it, it is like the same as like the reception of a drug. So you crave more wheat. And that's why I like the, the Lay's commercial. No one can eat just one. Yeah. Because these foods that they put out are addictive. So sometimes you hunger for things that are not good. So when you're hungering for things that are not good physically, it could also be psychologically that you're addicted. So let me scale back a little bit. I know we're not even going to get down. We're going to go a little over because we started a little late, but this is such a big hefty topic. Like I said, so hunger and when you're hungry for food, it is your body is your body is in its healthy state, wanting more healthy food so that it could run at its maximum capacity and it's unhealthy state and it's addictive state. It's, it's hunger for all the things, the chocolate, the, the fatty foods and the diet such as that. And then they're spiritual. Sometimes you think that you're hungry naturally, but you know, God's word is bread. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. So the word of God can become your sustained meat. And sometimes we think we're hungry, but we actually need to pray. We actually need a scripture. We actually need to be in God's presence. We actually need to be filled with the spirit because we cannot put food in the place of that, that emptiness in the spirit. Food will never take the, the place of God. And, and, and that's what we have to look at. And that's why Jesus said, my meat is to do your will. When we are living out our purpose and doing our will, we will find that we're not as hungry. 
during the day for the the natural foods or the sugary foods. But something about living your purpose and having a good time or doing something like that gives you life. It takes away your hunger. You can look up and say, oh, we haven't ate yet. We've just been talking, having a good time because you have been filled with the the positivity and the spiritual things. And so emotional hunger. Sometimes you just need to um, talk to someone. Sometimes you need to check in and check and see like what's making you sad or what's making you anxious and what do you need? Sometimes there is an emotional need and you respond physically, you know, to it. And you think that, okay, I can eat this. And the reason why it, it works on some level is that because food produces chemicals like to your serotonin or sugar, because if you're comfort eating emotionally, you're usually not getting an apple. You know, that's rare. You're usually not making a kale salad. You're usually, if you're emotionally uh, distraught and you're eating to fill your emotional void, you're usually going after chocolate. You're usually going after fast food. You're usually going after a psychological food of nostalgia, something that maybe you had when you were young that comforted you. Maybe something that you had when things were your, your favorite pick me up. We all have our pay, favorite pick me up. My favorite pick me up, but I don't eat it no more because it is just nostalgic is Captain Crunch. That used to be, that used to be my goal too. Cause it just reminds me of being young, maybe Saturday mornings, watching cartoons, being safe, being in my home, having some sugary cereal. That stuff is not the business. It is full of toxins and I can't even fake it. I won't eat it because it's not the same. It's just understanding that your hunger sometimes is for the past, is for comfort, it's for a memory, it's for to feel good. And so you have to assess your hunger and then you have to feel your hunger. Even if it's emotional, if you're down, you may need to journal. You may need to talk to someone. You may need to watch a movie. You may need to uh, just spend time thinking about something and processing something and working through something and validating it. Sometimes all our emotions need is to say, girl, yeah, you right. Or boy, homie, I hear you. Yep. That's a shame how they did you, but let's keep going. Sometimes you know, we just need to be able to get it out and not suppress it because when we suppress it, it use, it leaves a vacuum and we try to fill that void, that emotional void. And that's not, our emotions are saying, that's not what I really want, but you could put a bandaid on me, but I really need to talk to somebody. I really need to journal. I really need to get this, these feelings out, or I really need to go and exercise. I really need to do something positive, but we just keep feeding it, feed it. We use food for everything. We medicate everything um, with food, our spiritual lack, our emotional lack, our physical lack. And, and like I said, the problem is, is that we're not running and making beet salads. The problem is when we are satisfying that hunger, we're not satisfying our hunger with good things. We're not hungry and thirst after righteousness. And so that is our cue too. You get to ask yourself, what am I hungering for? Like, okay, I want these chips. Uh, like I said, uh, um, sometimes it's okay to have, give yourself a treat, but that can't be what you live on. And you get to ask yourself, why am I eating this? That's awareness. Why am I eating this? And so attachment plays a big role. I'm going to talk about two more things and we're going to get out of here. Boy, I told you, I, I, I didn't know I would spend so much time on my commercial, but, um, attachment style plays a big role in this. Like I said, I kind of touched on this. So I think I'm just going to just touch lightly on this and go right to the, the three eating disorders um, is that 
when you are in a traumatic event, like if you had childhood trauma and we talk about attachment, what happens with food is that endorphins don't develop normally and trauma because you're so stressed out there's no pleasure so the endorphins are not developing regularly so what happens is that you look for pleasure and that's why we have so much addiction with drugs and food because it could be trying to reset and deal with the emotional complexities of your childhood of sexual abuse or of abuse. So you're feeding that pain or some, for some people they use food as just to feel, so they don't feel alone. Food becomes the attached companion and there becomes a relationship. Now you try breaking somebody up with food without giving them a replacement. And it's going to be like the police trying to take a husband to jail after he beats a wife. It's not going to work. People hold on to the things that they, that serve them, even if it hurts them. Just that's why we have pornography addiction. That's why we have sex addiction. That's why we have food addiction and obesity because people hold on tight to their things that they feel are helping them. It's the brain's way of reducing distress. So the brain will make up all kinds of excuses for you to, to keep that relationship, that unhealthy attachment with food. It will, will you deserve this? Or it's only a little, or next week we'll work out, or we'll have a kale salad later, or I deserve this, or, you know, or it doesn't matter anyways, or, you know, whatever the, the psychology steps in and it protects your unhealthy relationship with food and the trauma it doesn't help because you learned that food can be an assistance to help you deal with your trauma instead of emotionally dealing with it, instead of dealing with it in a healthy way, a lot of people have addictions and one of those addictions is food. And so again, it becomes a a sacred relationship more close than your relationship with God. You look to it to make you feel better. You look to it to comfort you. Whereas the Bible says that the God is our comfort. We turn to food as our comfort. And a lot of times we didn't know to go to God if we were brought up in a in an abusive environment with traumatic events that caused trauma the like problems in our body the way we uh, regulate in our body that is why we turn to these things and they worked as good as they did in our unhealthy state yes it caused more problems but now that we're older we get to say there is a better way and we get to turn to the Lord. So a lot of people are um, misusing and, and having eating disorders because of the trauma, because of the things that they went through as a child, because of the lack. Some people were starved. So now they overeat or they hide food or, you know, like those who made it through the Great Depression and, and you know, they hoard things and they keep things or those who... Um, just didn't have what they needed or they were restricted as children. Now in the attachment style with food is I'm grown. I get to eat whatever I want. Or so it becomes a control thing, right? And so moving quickly to um, the the three eating disorders, I'm going to go back to that later. I just wanted to give you guys a little bit. Um, Anorexia, bulimia, and binge eating. Those are the eating disorders that arise when our mental health and our spirituality is not in par and online. It, those are things, those are disorders, meaning that our body is not functioning the way they should, meaning our thoughts are not functioning the way they should, meaning that we have deviated from for God's plan for nutrition. And it just, it becomes a, a continuum of wrong, distorted thinking. And now we are eating 
from a distorted mentality. We're eating from a distorted desire and we're eating from a distorted perception. It's an evil imagination. Our imagination now has been distorted because eating disorders, more specifically anorexia, it has to do with how you view yourself and it has to do with what you think. And so that's, um, it has to do with restricting food. It has to do with, um, just your distorted self image and, and excessive exercise. And what it does is it's like a a caloric deficit where you just feel like you're so in control that if you don't eat, then you get to control your size. And in your mind, that's why I said it's, it's evil imagination. And the Bible says to cast down evil imaginations. Evil imaginations are anything that are what you're imagining. That's not what God imagined when he made you. So if you imagine that you are um, ugly, if you imagine that you're not worthy, if you imagine that you're just a huge, worthless individual, that's evil imagination. And the Bible says to cast it down and bring every thought into the obedience of God. Yes, that is why with anorexia, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy is a good form to use because it has to do with the mind. And eventually your mind goes so deep that it, your your brain, it changes your brain. And so now the disconnection between hunger and food, it becomes disconnected. And so, you know, they don't see food the way we see food and they're not, um, like, uh, we talked about, uh, Pavlo, like the classical conditioning is it's opposite. They see food and they get disgusted. Whereas we see food and naturally we salivate and we're hungry. But for those who are dealing with food, they have made um, anorexia, they've made food the enemy. And now they, um, see food from a psychologically distorted perception. They now they no longer have God's view of nutrition and food. So they become an enemy to our Genesis and to God's plan. So that's the perversion of anorexia is that it does not see food the way God intended it. And so, and they do not see themselves the way God sees them. It's their own image. It's idolatry in that it's their image. They don't care what the Bible says. They don't care what the weight, what the scale says. It's their, they have the final say on how they, their body looks and what food really is. They reject They reject the knowledge of God. They reject the plan of God and they want to be, they want to control their intake. And sometimes that happens because there hasn't been opportunities to control like sexual abuse or childhood trauma where they didn't have any control. And now they get rewarded by feeling like I'm in control of my diet. I didn't eat a lot. So that's a good thing. I'm in control. So that control piece is still a form of idolatry when you're perverting God's plan for food and doing it the way you want to do it. So, and, and I'll come back to that because we're going to talk about treatment. So when we talk about treatment, I'll come back and, um, touch on that. And then there's bulimia and that has to do with binging and purging or excessive exercising. And that's still like on the road of perversion because now you're using food the way it's not supposed to. You binge eat, And then, you know, you want to gluttony takes over you and then you feel guilt and then you feel shame and then you purge or you exercise, exercise, and you keep that cycle and you keep that cycle. You make yourself throw up, you take laxatives, you exercise really hard. That is still perversion 
because you're still mishandling food. You're not eating food for nutrition. You're eating food for uh, emotional stability and for um, pleasure because usually I don't think that people are gorging on apples. I don't think people are gorging on salads. I don't think that people are, are gorging on kale. Usually when they're gorging, it's that um, psychological comfort of a sugar or a fat. And so it's like a drug. So they're inhaling all of this food and this drug type food, and then they're vomiting and inducing purging or laxatives or exercise to rid themselves. So that's like a, just, just a bondage. And it's difficult. God himself can get us out of it, but we need God's word. We need God's truth because the word says that the truth will make us free. That is the only thing that can make us free. And then of course there's binging, which is gluttony. I gave you the definition for that. Obesity is on the rise. That's why we have stories of my 600 pound life and all of these just obesity and just overindulgence of, and that's a lack of self-care. You have now made food entertainment. You have now made food your comfort. You have now made food your life and you have now centered, centered your life around eating. And the scripture that talks about that the body Food was made for the body and not the body for food. So now you're serving food instead of food serving you. And so we get to course correct and break that habit. And we talked about um, a few more things before we get out of here. Brain changes. Um, when you're starving yourself, your brain changes. It messes with your serotonin level. It messes with your depression and your anxiety. So now your mental health is off. And then um, some of the things that eating out of control, like I said, can cause heart disease, stroke, type two diabetes. Um, and it's just, it just impacts us. The medical cost in 2008 for obesity was $147 billion. And it's even more because now we have to add this new, uh, disease that has taken over, um, since 2020. And that's still the cost. This, this goes under also, um, it can be attributed to or connected to obesity because if you're not in good health and you get this disease, it's going to be disastrous and it's probably, it can be fatal. Most of the times that's where our fatalities are coming from. And so again, African-Americans, we are the highest rate of obesity and disease, all diseases we lead because we lead um, obesity. And so some diseases that increase and because some people are going to say, what about people who can't help it? There's a physical issue and they're gaining weight. Well, it's still preventable with diet and exercise and nutrition and with spirituality because depression causes obesity, menopause causes obesity, Cushing's disease, uh, which is the adrenal, adrenaline is producing too much, causing too much cortisol, stress, inflammation, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. A lot of women are having infertility issues and that causes weight gain, uh, congestive heart failure and edema, edema, it causes uh, fluid gain. So these are the things you have to look at, but we have to seek balance. Here at Hope Wednesday, we're seeking balance. And we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we're going to learn some, some ways to seek balance and seek the glory of God in all things. Next week, we're going to talk about the foods, more specifically, the sugar addiction, how to break it. I have a book called um, The 40-Day Sugar Fast. 
That's one of my books. I have a book from Carolyn Leaf, Think and Eat Yourself Smart. She talks about the Western diet and how detrimental it is to our temple. And then uh, this is by a Dr. William uh, Lee. And he tells the story about how his mother was healed from colon cancer. Um, and, and one of the adaptations was uh, eating nuts. And so this book lets us know that eat to beat disease. So we are praying and we are fall, feel like we're a victim to mental health. We feel like we're a victim to physical health. We feel like we're a victim to this new uh, disease that has hit our world. But there are some proactive things that we can do just in temple care. That is offense. When we play offense with temple care, it allows us also to be defensive against the, all of the disease that are in the earth. And of course, we want to cap, we want to encapsulate all of our eating and our nutrition with the foundational premise that my body belongs to the Lord and I'm eating as unto the Lord so that I can show God that I appreciate my life so that I can show my neighbor that I appreciate my life so that I can show my children that I appreciate my life and show them how to appreciate their life. It's no longer acceptable. It's no longer acceptable to eat unto yourself and not be accountable. And then we spend all of our prayers praying for people who are sick and we feel victimized and we leave the church and we feel like, why are good things? Why are bad things happening to good people? Sometimes we have to ask why are not, why aren't good people eating good things? Why aren't good people taking the good word of God and applying it to their lives and at least doing their part in temple care? Now we can't, we can't, keep ourselves in entirety, but we have a role and a responsibility. We do all that we can, and then we commend ourselves to God. And that's the miracle. He does what we cannot do, but he has given us instructions for our temples so that we don't have to live in depression, so that we don't have to live with all of these uh, preventable diseases, but that we might have life and have it more abundantly with each choice, which eat with each bite, with each thought about nutrition and about food, we get to choose life. And so it is a process. We're beginning the conversation, but we cannot end it in this time frame. but we're beginning it. Choose life. Choose life in temple care. God bless you.